0: Please open your Bibles with me to Psalm 23, Psalm 23. This is the only psalm that most people know that have spent little time in the Bible. This is the favorite psalm of many because they haven't spent enough time in the book of Psalms to find others, and while we do not seek to denigrate or neglect this psalm, we do want to uh, emphasize the other 149 that God inspired for the profit of our souls, since most of you have known the words to this one since you were a child. Psalm 23, however, speaks directly to our subject matter of Romans 5, 1-5. And I hope that as we read it, and as I briefly comment on it, you will see it is a perfect psalm for those five verses in Romans. Let's stand together as we read these precious words that have comforted many, and let us find comfort and joy in them as well. Together, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. In the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I mean no disrespect to Psalm 23. I mean disrespect to those who don't spend time exploring the other 149. Psalm 23 is wonderful as they all are. And I hope that we can see some wonderful things in them. The Lord is my shepherd. We understand that to be describing Jehovah of the universe. I am that I am because of that capitalized L-O-R-D. What a condescending act For Jehovah to declare Himself, by inspiration here, to be our shepherd. To be a shepherd is one of the lowliest jobs on earth. You're out by yourself, keeping track of dumb, helpless animals. It's not exactly as if you were a lion trainer when you're keeping sheep. It has a useful purpose. But like the Egyptians, they abominated shepherds because there was no nobility in keeping sheep in comparison to building pyramids. Now, if we're going to describe the role of a shepherd in that way, we should consider the role of sheep. And the Lord has not pandered to our self-love and self-esteem by describing us as sheep. And there we are. But the Lord is going to come and be our shepherd. And that makes it all worthwhile for Him to call us sheep. According to Psalm 8, we are the sheep of His pasture. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I want you to notice the present tense verb, the Lord is. Not that He shall be in heaven, nor that He shall be in some millennial kingdom. When the lions lie down with the lambs. Right. He is my shepherd in the Old Testament for David. He is our shepherd in the New Testament today. And he's my shepherd. Now I love it when the Bible gets personal. And the Bible is not speaking with plural pronouns about all of us together. Every one of us should be able to read this first clause of the first verse and take it personally. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord Jehovah will lead you through life and teach you and guide you, protect you and provide for you, if you believe and trust in Him. He will personally take care of you. He will not lose a single sheep. Though there might be 99 better than you, though there might be 99 that think they are better than you, according to Luke 15, He will not lose you. He will pursue and keep you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He will provide every needful thing for you. He will take care of every need for you. He knows your needs better than you know your needs. I shall not want. Again, it's personal. There will not be unsatisfied needs in my life. The Lord will provide. That does not mean that the Lord has guaranteed a perfect set of circumstances for you. It means that wherever the circumstances are imperfect, He will provide the grace for you to believe the circumstances are perfect. So that you are able to rejoice and glory, as we're going to read in Romans chapter 5, in imperfect circumstances. I shall not want. And He's going to describe that want. Now, as He describes the want, that there is no want, in verses 2 through 6, does He say there are no enemies? Does He say there's no fear? He says that the Lord, the shepherd, will be with you during that, in that valley when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and the Lord will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's going to exalt you and take care of you and protect you and honor you above your enemies though He will not take the enemies away necessarily. I want you to understand these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want If there is something that you need and the Lord has not provided it yet, He is willing and able to provide you the grace for you to be entirely content, peaceful, yea, joyful in your situation. Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This shepherd leads us and puts us in places that are pleasant. The Bible describes the lines are fallen out to me. Does anybody remember the rest of that psalm? Or have you spent too much time in the 23rd? The lines are fallen out to me in pleasant places. The lines, the property boundaries of our lives are fallen out to us in pleasant places by the sovereign care of our shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, not dried out pastures. If a person comes into the house of God where the Word of God is taught, and God is sought with holy praying, and spiritual songs, hymns, and psalms are sung, and they think it's dry, the problem is not with the service. The problem is with the attendee. The problem is in the human heart. Because the Lord leads us to pleasant pastures. The Lord makes us to lie down in green pastures where there's plenty of nutrition and beauty. The world does not know this, to lie down in green pastures. They feed on things that cannot satisfy, and their lives prove it. They are unhappy, they must divorce, they must get drunk, they must use drugs, they're miserable, they're dysfunctional. They complain and they whine, because there is no fulfillment in this world. These are the dry pastures. It's coming into his house where the green pastures are. It's the spiritual blessing of having Him as your shepherd and walking with God. He leadeth me beside the still waters. There's no danger there. The waters are still. It's not difficult to get a drink from them because they're frothing up your nose. There's no danger there that if you fall in, it's going to wash you downstream. There's still waters where you can drink deeply and God will sustain and provide your every need. David knew a little bit about sheep. David was not a hireling, was he? A hireling, when he sees the wolf coming, or the bear, or the lion, there's no difference. All three of them like to prey on sheep. The hireling runs away. (laughs) Hey, my life's worth more than those sheep are. I'll let the wolf, the lion, the bear have the sheep as long as I can save my own skin. Other shepherds might use whatever means they have, a fire, a lot of noise, a wall to protect the sheep from those animals. But David, he put his own life on the line to wrestle with the bear and to wrestle with the lion and to pluck his lamb back out of their mouths by trusting in the Lord. He knew about being a decent shepherd. Now, that's a decent shepherd, wouldn't you say? Would you give that man a raise? Would you give him another buck an hour or another 5% of the proceeds from the flock for risking his life like that? But notice David here, who knew so much about being a shepherd, understood green pastures. Pastures where those sheep could graze easily. Graze to their full and graze to the nutrition, growth, and development of their body to be eaten, and their wool to use as clothing. He he knew all that. And he knew about still waters that could be drunk deeply by those animals. He knew that the Lord was just like that to him. He had drunk deeply of God's blessings. He had been in green pastures in his life. But did David have troubles in his life? Many. And yet he writes this way. That is why he is the psalmist. God did not make Solomon the psalmist. What comfort would you have in the psalms if they were written by Solomon? You'll never be like Solomon. But every one of us is like David. Verse 3, He restoreth my soul. Sometimes David would know that his soul had lost some of its vivaciousness, some of its life, some of its vigor. And he knew that the Lord would restore it. He knew that he had sinned at times. But when he confessed his sins, the Lord would restore his soul, would lift him up again, would fill him again with the joy of his salvation. David was so confident of this process that in Psalm 51, after committing the heinous crimes of aggravated adultery and murder, he prayed for this to be fulfilled, that the Lord would restore his soul and grant him back the joy of his salvation. This is a description of our great shepherd. He restores our soul. No matter what you do, Or no matter what happens to you, or no matter if you get discouraged, God is able to lift you up again. Now there are means He expects you to use, and they are His green pasture and still waters. You need to eat and to drink of His Word and what He provides through His Spirit so that you can have the benefit of that first clause of verse 3. Otherwise the psalm is empty for you. He restoreth my soul. We do not trust in that clause fatalistically. Though at times the Lord will restore our soul when we're not even looking for it. But that is the exception. He expects us to use the means He's given us. And one of those means is this assembly. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He does not lead us astray. He is always leading us in the right way. The good way. The old paths that lead to a better life. That lead to life as Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 7. And He does it for His own namesake. That's the highest motivation a shepherd could ever have. If the shepherd was reduced to helping the sheep only, and thinking only of them, it wouldn't be the highest motivation. The Lord Jesus Christ has the highest motivation to be a great shepherd for us, because He does it for His own namesake. As was prayed in the prayer room this morning, Jesus did not die to remit, to provide a remedy because He felt sorry for men. Jesus died for His own glory and honor through eternity. And that gives the most beautifying sense and pers- perspective to the cross of Calvary. That is why Jesus died, and it's right here. He does it for His own namesake. That's a highly motivated shepherd. Do you want a shepherd taking care of you that's working for five bucks an hour? Or do you want a shepherd working for you that if he loses a single sheep, his name is at stake in the universe before all angels, men, and God Himself? Love, Psalm 23. Verse 4, Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and David walked there many times, many times, I will fear no evil. I'm going to be going through the valley of the shadow of death. I've done it before with a lion, with a bear. I've done it with Goliath, and I've done it with Saul. I've done it with Absalom, and I've done it with the Philistines. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He didn't fear the bear. He didn't fear the lion. He didn't fear Goliath. He didn't fear Saul. He didn't fear the Philistines. And he didn't fear Absalom. In the ultimate account, he trusted God. For thou art with me. There's that personal relationship of God with a man. God with you. God with David in this case. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, the instruments of a shepherd, they comfort me. I am comforted with all these enemies of mine, because I'm not afraid, though death is on every side, though men are dropping around me, yet I know that you will protect me, because you are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and he will protect me. If you know that the Lord is your shepherd, you will not be afraid of death. Fear of death comes from forgetting that the Lord is your shepherd. He is not going to let anything happen to his little sheep. If they're in this world, or if they're passing into the next world, he will see them safely through it. Because do you know who is out in front of the flock? The shepherd. And do you know what the shepherd has already done with death? He took it right out in his teeth. And He made an open triumph of death at the cross of Calvary. He has passed through that dark curtain Himself and He will see you safely through it, holding you by your hand. There is no reason to fear. The only reason that fear comes to us about death is because we have forgotten the fullness and our faith has weakened that the Lord is our shepherd. Thou preparest a table. Before me, in the presence of mine enemies. God sets a table before those who trust in Him as their shepherd. David was blessed. What is this? This is a metaphor. The whole psalm and most of the psalms are full of metaphorical language describing God blessing David in the face of his enemies. Did Saul know at all times that God was with David and not with him? Yes. What else would you need? This is more than you need. As long as God is with us, do we really need to know the fact that our enemies know God is with us? Well, that's just icing on the cake. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even when the enemies are chasing me, you take care of me and provide an abundant fare for me. He has shifted from green pastures and still waters to a table prepared by God. Though I have enemies circling me, You give me every comfort for my soul. That says the God of heaven. Those who put their trust in Him shall be preserved in all these ways. Thou anointest my head with oil. To have your head anointed with oil was a good thing, a blessing. God made three things. He made bread to make strong the heart of man, wine to make glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine. In a dry climate, it was a great blessing to have oil poured upon your head to compensate for the dryness of that region of the earth where Israel was located. You anoint my head with oil. It was something they did before they would sit down and eat. But even though David was living among the Philistines, though he had to hide in the woods from Absalom, though Saul chased him like a like a dog, God anointed him and took care of him and blessed him and prospered him, even while his enemies chased him. My cup runneth over. And this is what we want to take out of the worship of God today in this first assembly. What Jesus Christ has done for us, our cup should run over. You know, when, when, when commodities are rare and you would hold out your cup, you want a full measure. But this measure, or this, the amount that's poured into this cup, David said, runneth over. Not only is it full, but there's an abundance. When we speak of his cup, God had provided for him so many good things that it just ran over. It was more than he thought he would have. It was more than he needed. It was an abundant supply. And God has done that for us. And it is in Romans 5, and it is in Psalm 23, and it is in John 10, where Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it barely. That they might have it more abundantly. My cup runneth over. Now how can your cup run over when you have enemies? Because God can supply your needs. Well, what if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death? Your cup can still run over because the Lord is with you. If you're in the valley of the shadow of death and you don't believe your cup is running over, it is entirely and only your fault. It is not because God is not supplying. He will supply if you'll call upon Him and take His supply. Verse 6, Surely, That is an adverb. I have told you this before. I wasted so many years as a child thinking that surely was an adjective. That it was modifying goodness. It's not modifying goodness. It's modifying follow. That may not mean a thing to you if you didn't waste any years like I did thinking the wrong thing. It's because of memorization and reading through the words too quickly. Surely goodness, that's some kind of goodness, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Well, surely isn't an adjective modifying mercy. Surely is an adverb modifying follow because that goodness and mercy will most surely follow him all the days of his life. Not all the days of eternity, but all the days of his life. Even while he was here on earth. Surely goodness and mercy. Those are two wonderful things. Goodness from God. Mercy from God. And it's following you all the days of your life. And how confident are you of the fact? Surely, David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What do we do in response to the Lord Jesus being a shepherd like this? We want to dwell in His house forever, and we will dwell in His house forever. If you dwell in this house of His here on earth, and you do with an honest and sincere soul, you shall dwell in His house in heaven forever. We shall always be in the house of the Lord. God will have us here, and He'll have us hereafter. Psalm 23. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. David was standing in some kind of grace that overwhelmed the presence of enemies threatening his life. He felt that his cup was running over, though living at Ziklag among the Philistines. I don't care what your circumstances are. They're not as bad as David's. And my words, I don't care, mean... Your circumstances have nothing to do with it. Everything is in that first clause. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Have you run to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I am one of your little sheep. Save me. Protect me. Help me. Feed me lead me, guide me, take me to glory. He will be your shepherd and your cup will run over.